Well, good morning. It's great to see you here today. Students, if you didn't find a seat, you can either sit on the floor or on the stage, whatever. I don't care. <clears throat> Up the front, you can, there's lots of seats around, so... Great to see you in service today, by the way, students. This is awesome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, and, and how fun is this? This is, uh, well, my final week on staff here at Evergreen, and uh, I get to preach. That's good. So um, if you don't know me, my name is Brad, and I've been the student ministries pastor here for the past seven years, and uh, God is calling us to the next thing in our lives, um, us, us as in Audrey and I, not us as in me and whoever else I'm talking about. It's just me. <clears throat> uh, Although youth ministry can make you a little loopy sometimes. <clears throat> well, uh, we're, we're going to be moving to a lower faith center here uh, in the next couple of weeks, and we're certainly excited about that. But we are really excited to be able to share today with you and share some things that God has put on my heart today especially. And as, um, as always, I think the best way to start out a message is by playing a game. And so we're going to play... We're going to play a game today. I'm going to show you a, a series of images, and uh, your job is to tell me what is wrong with the image. There is something wrong with each one, and if you got it, just go ahead and shout it out. These are, uh, these are images, uh, they're, they're things that probably you would know them. You would probably know the images. They're from history, historical images. What is wrong? The moon is in the background. Yeah, okay. So if he's on the moon, then what is that? Yes, good. Well done. You got it. Okay, yeah. What's the next one? The Beatles there. The Beatles. What do we got? Any? Under Armour. Well done. Yep, he's got an Under It wasn't quite invented then at that point. Uh, what's wrong with this one? Batman symbol is upside down. Well done. Yes, good job, Heather. You got it. All right, all right. <laughs> Well, uh, that's a fun game. I like that, the what's wrong in the image picture. Uh, it's funny, though, because um, I had a conversation with a couple of guys that, uh, that I think was called, what's wrong with your faith? Uh, has anyone ever had a conversation like that before? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll, I'll tell you the story. I was, it was just a few days ago, actually, I think just three or four days ago, I was in Fred Meyer. And a couple of well-dressed guys came up to me and, uh, and said, excuse me, have you got a moment to talk about faith? I said, absolutely I do. <laughs> Let's talk. And he said, do you have faith? I said, well, I'm a pastor and that's required. <laughs> so yes. And he said, do you believe in Jesus? I said, absolutely. I said, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian? He said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said, that's fantastic. And so... What proceeded next was, uh, was a series of questions that he had about the Bible uh, that he wanted to, I, I, I was gauging that he wanted for me to have some sort of emotional response about these things that he was saying. Uh, because some of these things were taken out of context, others of these things were just not in the Bible at all. Uh, but uh, he was quoting these things to me and uh, I think hoping to have some sort of debate with me. Now usually... I would uh, happily say, well, that's absolutely false, and uh, it's probably time that I go. Uh, I've done that before many times, actually, and you may have done that as well. But this time was different, and whether it was because of this message that I'm about to speak, or whether it was just a, a prompting from God, and, or both, um, I felt like I should see if I could maybe build a bridge with this person. And so... Um, 
And so instead of answering the questions that he had for me about the Bible and things that I believed, I brought it back to the things that we had in common, the beliefs that we could be unified in. Uh, and that didn't seem to work. <laughs> he kept asking and asking and asking about all sorts of different things that were obviously really important to him. And I said, look, that's what I ended up saying. I said, look, I think we could go around all day long. I think we could keep talking about all the things that we don't agree on. But you said you're a Christian. I'm a Christian too. And I think that if Jesus was standing right here, that he would love to hear us talking about all the things that would unify us, not the things that would break us apart. Don't you? And this is a first as well, because he looked at his watch and said, well, my time is up. I have to go. (laughs) And that's my line. And he left. (laughs) The what's wrong with your faith game. It's interesting. Which is why this morning, I want to look at the power that comes when we choose to be more about what we're for than what we're against. When we become more about what we're against, we miss the point. It's easy to lose sight of the big picture when we get caught up in all of the little details that don't seem right to us or that we just don't agree with. There are so many times that we miss the big idea, and I miss the big idea on a daily basis, and maybe you're there with me, like being a parent, and and the kids have just made a big mess again. It's so easy to get frustrated with that, and I kind of forget that I was the one who told them to go play in the first place, and of course, they're going to make a mess. This is what they do. As a kid, it's easy to feel that, that life is unfair sometimes, and it's so easy to forget that we have everything we need in life, and well, more for the most point. It's easy to get frustrated when your wife is late. And try not to do it on date night. I've done that before, and it just doesn't work out well for the rest of the night. It's easy to see how badly your husband dresses your kids. There's nothing else to that one. It's just really easy to see, isn't it? (laughs) When someone asks us for help, isn't it easy? Isn't it easy to be against all of the choices that they made to put themselves in a bad situation rather than see them as a person who's loved by God, who needs help? When we don't agree with a political decision... Isn't it easier to just be against the politician altogether rather than seeing the person that's loved by God and praying for them to make wise choices? When someone's different or has different opinions or has different beliefs or a different lifestyle than we do, it's easier just to be against them in general than it is to be for something else about them that is worth celebrating, that is worth loving. When we face change or challenge or circumstances that feel impossible, it's easier to live in a world where we focus on all the things that are working against us than it is to search for the things that we could be for in that moment of time. And so if we're not purposeful about what it is we're for, we slip into the easy mindset of being about what we're against, right? And we become legalistic, we become judgmental, we become cynical, we become controlling, we become religious. And you know what? 
that does not sound like the light of the world that we're called to be. One of the best biblical examples of this problem of for and against is how the Israelites journeyed to the promised land. We see it time and time again when the Israelite people focus on what they're for, when they focus on what they're for, they succeed in their plans and they, and they receive God's blessing. But as soon as they become unfocused and start arguing and complaining and bickering and focusing on what they're against, then doubt and division wins. We can see this doubt and division, especially in Numbers chapter 13. This is before, Moses took, uh, before Joshua took over, and while Moses was still leading the people to the promised land, we see the Israelites, they start to doubt the promises that God had given them, and it led to these disastrous consequences for them. Do you, you want to hear about it? Let's read in verse 1, chapter 13. It says, The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent the spies out into the land. And so after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. They reported to the whole community, it's a bad idea, what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large, and they're fortified. We even saw giants there. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report, about the land among the Israelites. In other words, they spread everything they were against about this idea of going to the promised land to the community of the Israelites. And then as you read on to the rest of the chapter 13, it's all about how devastated the Israelites are, how how much they're doubting, just a complaining group of people to God and all the things that that God should be doing, and he's just not, and they may as well just have died back in Egypt. It's really a sad story at this point. And then in chapter 14, we, we read on. Feels good, Aaron. Yeah, thank you. Perfect. If your name's Aaron, I'm real sorry. <clears throat> How long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints that the Israelites are making against me. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Then you'll discover what it is like to have me as an enemy. Oh, who's with me that they never want to hear God say that to them? (laughs) Yeah. See, the Israelites, they lost sight of the big picture, didn't they? they? They lost sight of all the things that they had been promised. They lost sight of who they knew God to be, the all-knowing, all-powerful, miraculous God. They lost sight of the fact that when they were unified and for God, that they were unbeatable, that there was nothing that could come against them. They lost sight of all of that. This was an incredible opportunity for them. 
to essentially walk directly out of Egypt and, and basically straight into the land that they had been promised. But instead, the people focused on what they were against. They were against fighting a difficult enemy that seemed powerful. They were against that rather than what they should have been for, which was confidently taking the land that God had promised them. And so, for 40 years, they wandered through the desert, waiting for another opportunity. And as we read on, that opportunity does eventually come, but under a different leader, under the leader of Joshua. Joshua took over when Moses died, and he begins to lead the Israelite migration in the desert, from the desert into the promised land. And this was a job that turned out to be impossible for his predecessor, wasn't it? And just imagine that for a minute, that uh, you're, giving a, you're given a job and uh, the person previous to you who was perfect for the job couldn't do it and now it's your turn. Fun, right? So Joshua, well, he, he needs to do something different. He either needs to just give up and settle where he is with all of those Israelite people or he needs to change his approach and he needs to lead the people to where they're promised in a different way. And as we read, it becomes clear that Joshua chooses the latter. And it's interesting to me because the approach that Joshua takes is kind of controversial. I like that. I do. So let's pick up in Joshua chapter 2. This is about 40 years later from that story. And it says this, Then Joshua secretly sends out two spies from the Israelite camp at, uh, yeah, we're going to say Acacia Grove right there. (laughs) It's children in the room. (laughs) He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. Now, this was secretive in two respects. Um, firstly, and obviously, it was secretive that, that Joshua sent out spies because of the people in Jericho. He didn't want them to find out that spies were on their way. Uh, and, and secondly, and, and this is a, a controversial point, it was secretive to the rest of the Israelite people. I mean, do you remember the last time spies were sent out? It wasn't good. It, it made them delay their mission by 40-odd years. And yet Joshua sends out more spies, and he doesn't consult. doesn't say he consulted with any of the other leaders. Just, he just sent them out. This would be a point of contention for those other leaders in the Israelite camp, wouldn't it? The leaders of the, of the tribes, they, they would have been probably furious about this. You could imagine. It's easy to think of all these legalistic arguments of why this was a bad idea. So why did Joshua do that? Well, this is where we get a glimpse into what Joshua's faith was actually like on what his approach would be. We start to see that Joshua knows what he is for and not what he might be against. If Joshua secretly sent out spies to go and survey the land, and he didn't tell a soul, knowing the history of spies and bad news and really long timeouts in the desert, it's clear to me that Joshua was going to go anyway. 
He was going to go in anyway, despite whatever news came back from the spies. He was going to go in, and it wasn't going to be about what he was against in that moment. It wasn't going to be about what the spies were against. It wasn't going to be about what the Israelites were against. It was going to be all about what Joshua was for. And what was he for? He was for God. Joshua knew that God called them and that God empowered them and that God promised them. And so Joshua said yes to God. He was for God and he just didn't have time for what he was against. So as we continue on, it just seems to get more controversial. Okay? So the two men, the spies that Joshua sends out in secret, they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And uh, they continue on the road and found a more appropriate place to stay. <laughs> no. And they stayed there the night. Now, I'm just going to put myself in Joshua's shoes here for a minute. And I'm just going to pretend that I've sent out two of my youth leaders to go on a mission of some kind. <laughs> if they found a prostitute's house and stayed there the night, I have some questions about that. <laughs> Don't do that. By the way, it's not in the handbook, but don't do that. <laughs> this is something Joshua could have been against. You know, you know, eventually the people, the Israelite people are going to find out that he secretly sent out spies, so it's already not going to look great for him probably. And then on top of that, the spies he sent out go ahead and just hang out at a prostitute's house for the night. Like, even if that was innocent, and we assume it was, how is that going to look for him? What is that going to say about the character of the people that Joshua chooses to do secret special missions? But Joshua didn't seem to get hung up on that. Here's what happens next. The king of Jericho finds out that spies are in the city. And so he sends some guards to go and get Rahab the prostitute to go bring them to them. But instead, the prostitute hides the spies. And then when the guards arrive... Rahab lies to the guards and says, oh, oh, they already left. They left the city gates. You should just go chase them. And when the guards leave, she returns to where the spies are hidden, and she says, I believe you. I believe that God is with you, and I need you to know that everyone here in Jericho is scared to death of your army and of, and of your God, and surely, wherever you go, you'll conquer and you'll succeed. And what's amazing is that Rahab, the same prostitute woman, was mentioned later on in the Bible again in the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament, which speaks all about her amazing and incredible faith that she had in God. And you know what? Some Christians struggle with this. They struggle with the idea that a prostitute woman was mentioned for her great faith. And you know the biggest reason they're offended by this? Because she lied. She lied, someone just laughed. She lied to the guards about where the spies were. And so some Christians have a problem with this, and they've debated it, and they've tried to justify it in all sorts of ways. Why do Christians get hung up on that? Well, it's the same reason that we get hung up on a whole lot of stuff as well today. When we focus on the things that we're against, we lose sight of all that we could and we should be for. We struggle to see beyond the mistakes when we're looking at life like a what's wrong with this picture image. Yeah? 
Our eyes are drawn to the things that are wrong, and, and, and when you see it, it's just hard to appreciate the picture anymore. You know, there was a, I had a friend, and, um, and, he, and he came to me one time asking for advice, and um, he said that he'd been invited to a wedding, and he, he didn't know whether or not he should go. I said, well, what's the issue? Why, why would you not go to that wedding? He said, well... Um, it's a gay wedding. I said, so what's the reason that you wouldn't go to that? He said, well, I just, I just don't really feel comfortable. I just don't quite believe in that. I don't know if that's right or wrong. It's a, it's a gray area, right? It's like a, this is real life. He said, I don't know if, if I go, is that, is that supporting? Or is it, if, if I don't go, how is that showing that I, that I care for these people? It's a real struggle. It's a difficult circumstance. And so I asked him the question, well, what is it about them that you can, you can love? What is it about them that you can be for? And then I left it for him to decide. I didn't tell him what to do. And if you think that was bad advice, we can argue all about it next week, if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I don't want you to misunderstand because there are certainly times that we need to be against things for whatever reason. We need, to, we need to have convictions in our life. Yeah. Sometimes we need to voice those things, what the truth should be. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we should be for everything. I think that would be an injustice for you to hear that. It does say in the Bible that we need to speak the truth in love. And... Um, and let me, let me just take a side, a side tangent here because I'll, I want to challenge something. I want to challenge the idea that you can speak the truth in love to somebody that you barely know or don't know. So the people I love, I know a lot about them. I know where they live. Uh, like people I love, like I, I know about their kids. I, I know, well, I'm really bad with birthdays, but I should know their birthday. I feel guilty about that. Um, I, know, I know their last name, though, so that's good. Um, I know their aspirations. I, I know what they want to do with their life. I know what they want to achieve. I know where they're at in their life. I know what they're struggling with. I know how they want to succeed. These are the people that I, that I, that I love. The, those are the people that I would feel comfortable enough to have a truth in love conversation with. Otherwise, that conversation is more of a, well, I'm just speaking the truth in grace. Well, I'm just speaking the truth and being really nice. It's not really what the Bible says. Anyway. When we see past the legalities, when we choose to see past being judgmental or cynical or controlling or religious, we actually start seeing the beauty of what God has created all around us. The big picture. See, what I believe is that if we choose to fix our thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is right, on what is pure, on what is lovely, on what is admirable, on the things that are excellent, that are worthy of praise, that we will step into a whole new realm of loving people the way that God intended for us to love people. Now that's the light of the world, isn't it? So, what is your default response? What's your response to opposition or your response to challenge or your response 
to difficulty or change? What is your usual response to people who live differently to you, have different ideas, different opinions, different lifestyles than you have? Do you find yourself focusing more on the things that you're against than you do the things that you're for? See, I'm about to move myself (laughs) and my family because of what God has called us to do. We're about to move. We're about to uproot our lives. And there's a lot to be against. I want to be really clear about that. I'm I'm against uh, unknown things. I like to know things. I'm against difficult challenges that I know are coming up. I'm against feeling just really awkward in a new role. I like the comfort. I'm against, I'm against, (laughs) I'm against leaving you. Yeah. Students, I'm, I'm against leaving you for this next season. I love you. It's the worst. (laughs) I thought I could pull it together for the third service. I'm against it. So much I'm against. But let me tell you, if I'm to succeed in my next steps, if you are to succeed in loving people the way that God has created you to love people in whatever season you're in, then we have to bravely choose to be all about what we're for and not about what we're against. So here are some practical things that we can remember as we choose to do this daily. Five quick things, and here's what they are. Number one, God calls us to love people and not prove that they're wrong. Number two, challenging things help us to grow. Number three, remember why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you doing what you're doing? Number four, God loves everyone, not just the people you like. (laughs) And number five, when the world feels like it's against you, remember who's for you. Amen? Hey, well, let's pray, and Jared and Ann, you can come up. Lord, thank you for a wonderful, challenging thought. Lord, would you help us to create an atmosphere of love where love just wins and love just comes first and where people matter. Lord, would you help us to grow? Would you help us to succeed? And would you help us to live for you and for loving the people around us? We pray this in your mighty name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, here comes a wonderful family, Audrey and Vila and little Mally. It's so fun to get to celebrate this family. And that's a hard way to start. (laughs) 
But one of the things we like to do before we pray is we like to give gifts because it expresses God's generosity toward us in every way, not just in tangible things, but intangible. And um, Jared was... Uh, I'll go there. <laughs> um, so as we give these gifts, we just want them to be a blessing. The family that plays together stays together. So yeah, so we want these to be partly that. So first of all, there's a special bouquet for the family because you're going to Aloha. <laughs> That's right. And our favorite surfboard yeah. uh, boy right here, the guy who can wrestle sharks. I mean, it's appropriate. <laughs> Now, aloha is actually uh, the Hawaiian word for hello and goodbye. It's both a greeting and a parting word. And so I'd like us just to all greet this family, first of all, with aloha. That's their new place. Can you say it with me? One, two, three. Aloha. <laughs> and in just a few minutes, we'll give that our parting words. But back to some more gifts. Um, we have here, this is for Viola. Yes, you have to open the envelope first, and then you can open the... And here's for Mally, and Mommy can help you. Oh, did she still... Yeah. Movie passes. What could be in those bags? To go with the movie passes. Oh, and Mally's getting hers out. Oh. <laughs> Two little princesses. <laughs> And then we just felt like we'd wrap up the gifts today with the most important piece of office equipment you can have if you're Brad Pace. Right here, Brad. And on top is an accessory that's a must-have as well. Yeah. And this goes with it because Audrey, um, Audrey needs her favorite. <laughs> the students know. <laughs> and now the accessories. <laughs> Parvati Chai right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vanilla Starbucks, in case you're wondering, when the supply gets low. Yeah. <laughs> Love you guys. So um, in just a minute, um, what I'd like is for any council members who are here, and I'd like the student ministry leaders that are here, and I'd like all of our students that are here to come on down and surround this family. And Evergreen Pastors. Yeah, thanks, you guys. 
Come on, you can just fill in around here. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Right up here. Here's a little spot to slip in through. Thank you, Lydia. So before we pray, I just want to go back to the verses that Jared referred to. It's out of Acts 13. And the next verse, immediately following where they prayed, laid hands on them, and sent them. This is what it says. And the two of them, Paul and Barnabas, sent by the Holy Spirit, went to Seleucia. And here's the thing. What we want us to all understand is that this is bigger than us. This isn't Ann and Jared's great idea for them. This isn't the district supervisor's great idea for him. Uh, it's not Brad's and Audrey's great idea for themselves. This is about the Holy Spirit and us agreeing with what the Holy Spirit is saying. So it's really an act of obedience. And, you know, there are the fun moments of knowing that you're following God. That's, that's cool. But there's also the, the same pulling that you experience, that your students, that all these students experience in sending this couple. It's just so much bigger than us. God has a plan in this. He is sending this couple. And, you know, another Hawaiian word is ohana, and it's a word that refers to family. And um, we just believe that God sent you to Aloha, a town with a Hawaiian name, to create and to grow this family that's already there, to add to it. That There's this spirit of ohana that includes not just relatives, it includes your social circles, it includes all your friends. And if there was a hallmark of your ministry with students here, it's been that, that you create ohana and that's what the two of you do together and your lovely girls. And God's going to do that for you, too. He's going to give you new family there. And, um, but we'll always love you. We'll always be the ones who sent you. And you will come back for Boomerang. So we're looking forward to that. But I've got some wonderful people to pray here. This is Allie Jacoby, one of the leaders. She's a freshman now at George Fox. So she's been with Brad through all her youth years. And Mikhail Thompson, um, who's also in his freshman year in college and uh, one of our interns here. And they're going to pray. So Allie, if you want to do it, and then Mikhail. Would um, you extend your hands this way, everybody? Lord, we lift up right now this wonderful and amazing family. Um, they consistently are so loving and so hopeful for all of us as students and so encouraging. They always encourage us to be the change. Um, and right now, Lord, we pray over them that they will be the change in Aloha. Um, we know that everything that you do, God, is not you do not set us up for failure. You, you only want success for us. So, Lord, we pray over success, and everything they do will be successful. Um, we, we love them so much, and we pray the best for them. Uh, Lord, ooh, huh. um, thank you. Mahalo uh, for, these, for these people um, and allowing us to know them for for almost the past decade. Um, I just thank you for, for, for giving them so much strength as a, as a family, as an Ohana. Um, and I just, I just want to thank you for the time that we got to spend with them. Um, and there's, there's plenty of time that we'll be able to spend with them, um, just not maybe here uh, at the church. Um, but I just pray that you give them um, confidence and, and comfort because we, we know that they're more than capable for the next step in their journey. Um, but it's scary, and, and it can be difficult. So I just pray that you, you place your hand on top of them, 
um, and you guide them through this next step and um, answer all the words right out of my mouth. Um, just remind them that whether they're far or near, um, they always have an Ohana here at Evergreen, and uh, we love them. And Lord, now we do send them in the power of your Holy Spirit, asking, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come upon them in fresh ways to empower them to uh, lead this congregation in Aloha. Lord, that uh, there would be gifts of encouragement, prophetic gifts, words of comfort that they can offer. Lord, um, insight and gifts of discernment into people's lives so that they can know them faster. Lord, you are a speed dial God in that you know us. You read us from the inside out. So you know the people already there. You know their hearts. You know what they've experienced. You know the interim time they've been through. And now, Lord, you want to draw them in. You want to encourage them through this couple. So we just ask they'd be fully empowered, Lord, to do everything in this this new assignment. And Lord, we do ask that there would just be this, this really spirit of Ohana, Lord, of this drawing together about what they're for and together what they're going to do with you in these grand new adventures. And Lord, we pray for these girls that they'll make new friends and that they'll be running into church just like they do here. And it'll be something they look forward to. And Lord, they'll just have a new a new family that's amazing there, Lord, that'll grow to love them like we do. And uh, we look forward, Lord, to a year from now hearing how so many people came to find and follow Jesus because of their lives, because of what you're calling them to do. We thank you, Lord. And I, I do ask, Lord, that as they're talking to you about what to do, that they will rely on the past to remember your faithfulness and your goodness. But, Lord, they won't rely on the past for what to do. They'll look forward. They'll be God fresh. They'll do things that they've never seen done before. They'll say things that they haven't heard said before because you are leading them. And they're listening to you. And we applaud that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's uh, tell them we love them. Are you ready to say aloha as in this is goodbye, friends, for now, but they will be back for Boomerang. Ready? One, two, three. Aloha, friends.